Welcome to our second episode of Damsels in Discussion, where we analyze pop culture from a funny feminist foul mouth perspective. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the last two episodes of season two of Girls and some other little goodies. I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. I'm Shannon Bowen in Oakland. And I'm Brandi Sperry in Los Angeles. Okay, let's just talk about the first, let's talk about episode nine. Uh, which a lot of people have um, written some really interesting things about. It was not a pleasant episode by any means. No. Nope. Um, ranging from extremely hilarious unpleasantness with uh, Marnie to just like, look away, I'm not sure what I just saw, and my whole world is crushed unpleasantness with Adam uh, and his girlfriend, whose name I'm blanking on right now, Natalia? something Natalia yeah very cool yeah. girlfriend name or yeah yeah Hannah right. says. um well the Marnie thing was probably the hardest I've ever laughed at girls um <laughs> it's called a comedy but I honestly don't laugh very much but watching people humiliate themselves is always one of my favorite jokes so but watching Marnie <laughs> watching Marnie humiliate herself in that way where she thinks no it's fine it's cool it's gonna be great yeah, yeah, and she doesn't even realize while it's going on. Like, later she asks, should I be embarrassed? And it's like, wow, girl, are you that pretty that no one has ever told you not to do something before? I don't know. I th I was surprised when Charlie wanted to have sex with her. I don't know. That really surprised me. It was like, really? She's pretty pathetic. And when you feel embarrassed, if then your coworkers who you're dating this girl that just humiliated herself, I don't know. It was very odd to me. Yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense to me either, because really, he was just cringing the whole time. And I mean, if I were him, I would just like avoid her for the rest of the evening because she's really veering into some crazy ex-girlfriend stalker territory there. So the fact that he is like, let's have sex. I don't care if anyone sees seemed a little at odds with the mood like five minutes ago. Yeah. Right. Like what what about her humiliating humiliating herself turned him on i i don't know well i don't understand their relationship at all and Ugh. i mean aren't you always just irritated at someone who changes the music at a party anyway i mean come on right no matter what it's for totally i think i, did, I think charlie's really boring and i can't understand uh the attraction the other way either from marnie to him like together or apart i just don't understand what's going on with those two well, I think in the last episode, I mean, you know, the finale, it's like when she immediately after they kiss says, it's not about your money. It's like, well, then it obviously is. <laughs> you know? yeah. I can believe yeah. that she thinks that it's not about his money, that she's convinced herself that she's just that she just made a mistake before. And it has nothing to do with how he's reinvented himself or how he looks kind of hot now with his, you know, the scruffiness or whatever. But I, I don't buy it because she never would have started paying attention to him again in the first place without this. Right. The only thing that got her attention was that he had sold an app and was now like a big deal web guy in Chelsea in some cool office. 
I think she's just impressed by his status, where in the past she thought he was kind of like a loser or something or not worthy of her fabulousness. Um, and now he's not. Now he's hot. So obviously she's attracted to him again because she's, you know, shallow and wants a hot, successful boyfriend. Right. And I think she tried the whole doing it on her own, making a life for herself and failed so miserably that now she's like, oh, I can just have this guy take care of me. And unfortunately, women in this day and age still do this process. Um, but it was very disappointing because I think I've always held out a little piece of hope that Marnie could be a better person on this show. But I don't think so after this finale. Well, anybody seems like Prince Charming after Booth Jonathan, right? I mean, <laughs> really ridiculous. Right. I, I hold out hope, hope still. Like, I think that this was this was sort of a weird fairy tale ending for this season. And I think we're going to open season three with it all crushed. I really don't think that everyone's going to be happy still when it opens again. So I, I'm sort of reserving judgment until season three starts. I think everybody's hoping that because everything I'm reading online is everybody's pretty kind of disappointed and a little confused and grossed out by all of this like very conservative romantic comedy endings in the finale. So I think everybody's saying like, oh, just wait till it all falls apart because everybody's like, why the fuck would you do this with all the characters? I'm just going to say that I don't I don't understand Charlie. I think that brunch scene could have been really brilliant if she just made a total fool of herself and left and he was like, Ugh, whatever, and went on with his life in a completely other direction. But that's not what happened. And and I feel and this is, you know, if you've been listening to these podcasts, you know, my big pet peeve is when people's character changes to suit however the writers want the story to go instead of finding the story arc from within who the characters are right so i just feel like charlie is just sort of in in the service of whatever they want marnie to do in one episode or another right i mean it does feel like i felt with both this and with the adam hannah storyline is like well how can we keep these men in the show because it's not, it wasn't originally built as a co-ed ensemble. It was built as these are the women and then these men happen to come in and out of it. And it's like, oh, well, how do we keep them on the show? Because people really like them. Let's get them back together. Yeah, I just, I can't stand storylines with characters breaking up and getting back together over and over again. This is irritating enough to watch when people in real life are doing it. Right. I don't want it like on my escapist show, you know, so... That's why I'm still hoping that season three goes to an interesting place rather than just, I don't really want to watch Adam and Hannah date again, you know, and I didn't have a very satisfying reaction to that final scene. Basically, I was just sitting there wondering how long it had been since Hannah had probably brushed her teeth while they were having that romantic kiss, supposedly. <laughs> I mean, there was nothing appealing about it, and I, I hope that that's what they were going, juxtaposing it with really happy music and making it very a very weird sensation for the viewer right i couldn't get over how filthy her apartment looked how filthy she looked i was thinking has she changed her underwear in three days you know yeah. it's sort of like the whole thing was really kind of gross and through it all the thing that was getting me through it through it all was okay all this shitty stuff is happening to hannah but i'm gonna buy into the fact that she is a talented writer 
and she's gifted and she does have a voice and Hannah is going to write something and it's going to be really good. But no, <laughs> she didn't. She didn't write anything. She completely blew it off. And it's like we have to go through all of this, this, this pathetic stuff, all this grossness, all of it. And in the end, we don't even get any kind of payoff for what is supposed to be the central driving force of her life. It's very frustrating. Totally. And I think, you know, all three of us are writers and artists. So I think we all take it as a bit of a personal affront because we know how hard it is when you do feel like shit to get up and go fucking write because that's what you do. So I'll, I'm speaking for myself. I take it a little like, get your shit together. This is what being a writer is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like, get your fucking shit together. And if you can't get your shit together, you are a fraud. And please stop selling us these storylines about you wanting to be a writer. Because all it really comes down to is the fact that you're sort of a lazy fraud. The emperor has absolutely no clothing or writing talent. Well, and the emperor also doesn't have any pants, nor ever wants to wear pants. So, I guess that wasn't a good joke. I mean, <laughs> pants are kind of encompassed in clothes, so. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of already been said, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... We do get some good scenes somewhere in there. I agree they don't build to where we want them to build to. But I always like watching Hannah interact with her parents. Um, And I thought it was, you know, I know this will make Shannon very mad. I thought it was kind of interesting to watch her try to reach out to all these people to solve her problem and have them all rebuff her. And, of course, I was hoping that led to some sort of revelation on her part. It's the it's the more infuriating choice that they made to have Adam sort of be a kind of savior for her. But I'm just going to keep banging my drum that I hope there's more to it than that. Well, someone's got to be hopeful. And thank you for being that person. Um, I just want to say why it's infuriating for me, as I've said, that um, my problem with Hannah is she just wants everybody to solve her problems and whines a lot. And that's just not my kind of girl. It's not who I like to surround myself with. And so it's hard for me to watch, similar to you, Therese, how you get frustrated with her claiming to be a writer and not writing. It's also her claiming to be a friend and not being a friend. And I don't know, you know, it's kind of like her hiding from Marnie was kind of the same scene we'd seen where they were lying on the phone to each other. But that lying on the phone to each other just really was a stronger scene for me than this one. I, I, it was For me, it was sort of like, like with the book, it's like, okay, great. At least she and Marnie are going to finally get to talk, you know? Right. Or when she's talking to her dad, it's like, okay, at least she's going to have some kind of connection, good moment with her dad. But like nothing, nothing. I did love the line that she was typing on the screen that was, there's no grander romance than the friendship of two college girls. It's something like that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's something like and I you know that's what I write about is female friendship and I do believe that because it's more complicated I think to be friends with other women sometimes than it is to be in a romantic relationship with a man so I totally loved that line I just didn't see that really expressed in the episode well it was kind of ironic you know that Marnie comes in reads that line there's obviously no, you know, there's no romance at all. So this is, again, Hannah spinning something that I'm not seeing played out at all. So 
is she making shit up? Is it like when she took Coke and wrote about it? You know, right. Where is this coming from? She has no grand romance friendships with her friends. Clearly. Although I did like the voicemail she left for Jessa. I feel like I've been there before. <laughs> but Jessa, Jessa stuff. It's like Jessa is still like a character in the show without even having to show up. Right. She's such a, a strong character that, that the, that the way that was written was just so perfectly perfect bouncing off of Jess's character wearing yeah. a crop top <laughs> she she up getting her vagina pierced just the voicemail mess I would never listen to a voicemail but <laughs> honest, whatever. it's just it's perfect I was thinking of Hannah wandering around not doing her work not wearing pants and, and I was thinking maybe I'm just jealous of her like maybe you know I was such a like straight up ambitious nose to the grindstone kind of gal when I was her age my 20s were spent achieving (laughs) and maybe I'm just (laughs) jealous because she seems to be getting through life you know doing her thing something I could never do I was also you know like a good friend and I guess I didn't have to be a good friend either I could have just you know been uh, what jerk. what was your pants situation did you wear pants um I did I wore pants I did sometimes yeah. a skirt but I had a real job to go to I worked for the Toronto Star and so I had to show up for work or they would uh, fire yeah I've always had a I've always had a job and has I Hannah wear lost pants. her job does Hannah still well, have the job at the coffee shop? It feels very ambiguous to me. I'm wondering, you know, she's living alone in that apartment. She's going to get evicted. Yeah. How does, she, this is my constant thing with TV shows and movies. How can they afford that apartment? And I just get totally out of the story because I'm consumed with how can you afford it? As long as they're actually going to a job, I can usually look past if their apartment is nicer than what they could really afford in real life, whatever, it's TV. But when it comes to this, and now it's been, you know, Marnie walks in and she says, I haven't talked to you for days, but it feels like it's been months. Right. Doesn't doesn't it feel like it's, I know she supposedly only had a month-long deadline on this ebook, but it feels like it's been a longer spiral than that. And I'm wondering where the other consequences are beyond her uh, social circle. What do you mean, other consequences of her behavior? Like, like getting evicted, like, like oh. real life stuff. Like, if you can't pay your bills, then life is harder, you know? Right. Well, and I feel like all the characters in this show kind of end, land on their feet a little too nicely for my taste. Like, they all have someone else they can move in with. You know, it's never really hard because. You learn a lot about yourself when you're homeless and you really don't, you got to find someone's couch you can sleep on by the end of the day, you know? And I just feel like they're just like, oh, I'll just go there. I'll just go there. You know, and it doesn't. Yeah, they probably could have done something more interesting and funnier with uh, Marnie and Ray ending up in Shoshana's apartment, just kind of mooching off of her. They only mentioned it a couple times, but I guess Shoshana had plenty of material to work with. But that seems like it would be more of an issue, the three of them sharing that not huge space. Well, let's transition to Shoshana, because I would like to make an argument that she is the only feminist on this show. She's the only one doing what she wants to do. I think Shoshana is like the only one of these women that knows what she wants, knows how to get there, knows how to take care of herself, knows how to take care of her friends. Right. And can clean up her apartment. (laughs) 
I mean, she's got that crazy speech pattern, right? So it throws you off. But right. and the hair, the side braids, but <laughs> uh, underneath it all, she's really she's together. She's I'm the most interested to see where she's going next season more than anybody else. And because I feel like I feel like she grew her balls in the finale and I loved it. I mean, it was hard for her to say, but she's like, you know, she needs to protect herself for who she's becoming. And I want to see who that person is. I don't really want to see what Marnie is going to be like. I don't really want to see what Hannah is going to be like because I don't like where they ended up, but I liked where Shoshana ended up. So I'm excited. That speech she gave Ray was just really, really delicious. I was the best writing of the whole season, I thought. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah it was great. And I, d I don't think they should get back together. I think that she's done Ray a big favor and done herself a big favor by letting him go. But that whole exchange was just so, it was really grown up and funny. Yeah. Definitely. And real. Definitely. And I saw some people talking back and forth about, you know, their awkward sex scene where she's wearing her sweatshirt and some people were like, how awful is that? And a lot of people were like, it's kind of true. That happens. You know? <laughs> but I just love she's yeah. always so glammed up, you know, and it's like even like every time they show her underwear, it's like this like really uncomfortable lace number. So to like see her in this like sweatshirt with this awkward <laughs> side sex was like awesome. It's like this with his hand part. like. Yeah, he's like trying to grope her through his sweatshirt. Yeah, oh. I mean, she's. Can you get out of me? Awesome boy. <laughs> so let's let's circle back and talk about another scene from the previous episode, which was uh, another thing that was I thought really well written and well performed, but very debatable as to what the show was trying to convey with it. At least I thought, and that was Adams. Uh, Adam and Natalia's rough sex scene that a lot of people have said crossed the line into rape. I feel like I'm on the fence about that just because of the way the show framed it. But I want to hear what you guys think. It was a huge gray area. I've never seen that gray area so blatant in a TV show. I felt so uncomfortable from the moment he told her to get on her knees. I felt so uncomfortable. And the part that just broke my heart is when she said, I really didn't like that. And I was shocked and disappointed in the characters and kind of the writers for seeing them try and have sex again. Well, they were having sex again in the finale. It's like, why would you do that? I just, it was hard for me. I'm also living in that gray area of whether we call that rape or not. And I guess the the thing that struck me and all the things that have been written about that issue and i wish i could credit the right person who wrote this maybe you guys know the idea that the sex on this show is always really awkward and really strange and has a very strange sort of rhythm and dynamic to it and the question is do the writers know that they're writing rape or are they just writing yet another awkward sex scene where people aren't connecting properly or listening to each other I, I'm really not sure. I, I'm not sure where that thing lands. Obviously, she didn't want him to do something. He did it anyway. Right. And you certainly make a great argument that that is non-consexual sex and that is rape. Right. And gonna... just because she didn't say no, does it? She wasn't mean? saying yes, right? I mean, the, there were some really interesting things, and I I appreciated it for the discussion the next day that were multiple, you know, mainstream pop culture 
places like Salon or Slate, who have great feminist writers writing for them, brought up the issue of enthusiastic consent. Yes right. means yes rather than no means no, which I right. think is something that's entering a, a bigger part of the discourse. And I, I love that. And probably my favorite quote about the whole uh, affair was from Amanda Hess in Slate, who said um, about Adam, when you care even one bit about how your partner feels while you are actually having sex with them, it's impossible to be so confused. Right. That's a great quote. That is a great quote. I will say, though, that, that they're, the, the negotiations that they had the first time we saw them having sex in that episode, people were kind of applauding the fact that she was setting her boundaries out very clearly, um, which I guess in theory is a very good thing. But I found that it's it felt like a contract negotiation or something. Right. It didn't feel like they were having a conversation. It was like this. I just want to get laid. You're the person I'm going to do that yeah. with. And this is how she I want She treated it. him a little bit like a robot in that first scene. He's just so. like a life-size dildo. And and that really gives a bad name to enthusiastic consent and right. setting your boundaries. Because there are ways to do that that are fun and sexy and conversational. And totally. If you care about the person you're with, you don't want to sound like you're negotiating a salary or something, you know? Totally. Um, I found that that tone was off. And then by the time they got to the next scene, which was completely uncomfortable, it was already building on a weird dynamic they had the first time. Right. For him to say, I like that you're clear also kind of rang a little false to me. Right. I like clear. He obviously likes to be in control. And we've seen that since the beginning, which was shown even more in the finale when they're having sex again. And she was being really, you know, she was saying again what she wanted, and then he tried to say, well, you're like a whore. And I did love she say, like, no, that doesn't make me a whore. <laughs> yeah. That was really good. Yeah, she but it was also well. like, why are you fucking this guy again? There's other people yeah. in New York who aren't scary and awful and may care about what you like. But oh. I thought it was really interesting that the whole bad sex scene happened at Adam's apartment. Because that is like, you know, he's building all these crazy things in there. This is his place of control. Like this, I don't know. It, it just made sense to me that that all happened there. Because right, that's like the dark of side of him lives there. That's a, that's interesting. Do you remember when he peed on Hannah? Yeah. Okay. Speaking of non-consensual behavior that completely grossed me out. That, that really upset me too. And he had no idea that he was doing something really inappropriate. Um, it just who he is, which is unfortunate. because. He's well, that's why I also had a problem with the finale is they have set him up that he's an alcoholic, he's violent, he's a stalker, and maybe a rapist. And then I'm supposed to be excited that he is running to the main character and sweeping her up in a very controlling gesture. And that, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because I said on the last podcast, Adam was my favorite character. And after that, then my rape saying he's not. And I just don't feel excited about him and Hannah being together because he's scary. Well, you know, we you could say he was your favorite character when you thought that the show was letting him grow rather than right. regress. You know, that AA scene was great. And it did seem like he was like they were doing something with his anger where he might be able to deal with it. But now it seems like he's just push it back inside again no matter how many weird sculptures he 
Smash is in his apartment, you know, conveniently that's the exact moment that Hannah calls him. Seeing her was kind of what triggered him to drink, that triggered him to mm. act like an asshole, you know. There's nothing nothing good can come of this. No, and I because she is the protagonist, I do want good things for her. Yeah, I want good things for all the characters. If this show was just a little bit smarter, then I would have more faith in that ending meaning something in the long term. You know, you get an ambiguous or problematic ending like that in a show that's consistently smart. And you trust that the writers have something good in mind. But I don't feel that way about the show. I feel like they're throwing darts against the wall to decide what's happening next. Well, it's interesting. A lot of people, you know, for better or worse, have compared this to Sex in the City. And yeah, Sex in the City was pretty stupid about like, how can she afford all these shoes and stuff? But they did some really smart things over those seasons about friendship, about the whole big relationship that I felt were so much more emotionally charged and real to me than mm-hmm. what I feel like I'm forced to want to believe in on this show. They also had a storyline where Carrie had to borrow a ton of money from Charlotte to fix the financial hole she had dug for herself. So. Which is one of my favorite episodes <laughs> because it really brought up how uncomfortable that is when yeah. you, you, you know, your friends are your family. You don't have family. So that's who you're going to ask. And but it's it's an awkward thing to do. And I, I loved that episode. Yeah, it was a very well written episode, and everything that happened in that episode <laughs> grew out of what those characters were like and who they were. It wasn't just let's do an episode about, you know, Carrie needing to borrow money from Charlotte. Yeah, it does feel like probably a lot of girls' storyline, a story breaking session to start with. Let's do an episode about blank, you know? Right. I don't know. I do want things to hang together a little bit better. I, even as, you know, the biggest fan of the show that's in this on this podcast, I do want things to, to mesh a little bit better. Right. And, you know, maybe next year will be the season we've been waiting for. And I, as much as I, you know, criticize the show, I do have a part of my heart that believes in Lena Dunham and what she's doing and maybe humbling myself that maybe I just don't get it. And yeah that she does something amazing next season but it's a little hard knowing that enlightened just got canceled for a third season and had similar ratings to the season of girls and they're keeping girls and cutting enlightened is a little it's a little deep cut to the heart that's how the world works you know i wrote in our notes that i would hate to be a struggling 20 something tv writer and um feeling like Girls endures on and on and on while other things don't and that I, I'm up against. Right. Well, so many of my shows this year have been canceled. So it's it's been a tough year. Yeah, it's it's been a tough few months for interesting female driven stories. And, uh, you know, we've talked about how much we loved Ben and Kate. I loved Don't Dress the Bee, uh, and both of them, by the way, had really, really interesting male characters as well. They weren't just right. uh, just about the ladies. Uh, you know, Bunheads hasn't been renewed yet. I know I'm probably the biggest fan of that one as well, but it seems like all the shows I'm monitoring are the ones that have women at the core of their ensembles, and they're all or the core the of their writing teams. Yes, yes. 
Um, I'm encouraged that I think there's still a lot of pilots in the pipeline. I don't think it's necessarily like a, an indication that there's going to be a swing back to super masculine programming in the next couple of years, but it's still discouraging as a fan. Right. Definitely. Right. Does anyone have Sundance Channel? Has anyone no. seen Top of the Lake? I want to see that so bad. Jane Campion is a huge idol for me. Like I, some of her work is really, really meaningful to me. And uh, of course we love Elizabeth Moss. When I was at Sundance, I didn't get to see it, but the, they screened all six hours of it in one day and everyone said it was amazing. So. Uh, yeah. I've already had my not having the Sundance channel slash caffeine withdrawal meltdown when I couldn't see Restless. So <laughs> I, I'm still in it. Because Sundance Channel has created two amazing female-driven miniseries, and it's like, why is no one else doing this? <laughs> well, we will have when it comes out on DVD, we will have to visit it and have a little episode about it because I'm just so intrigued. I'm hearing people say it's what they thought the, the killing would be. Yeah. And... Just all sorts of real things that are making me salivate to see it, and I can't. I just can't. All right, so now that we're done discussing girls, we're going to do um, a little segment that we will be doing on the podcast where we just say one fabulous thing that we've either watched, read, or experienced in the last couple weeks. Um, so I'll go first. I got to see Chelsea Peretti do stand-up in San Francisco, and she was incredible. She was one of the writers for Parks and Rec, She's going to be um, coming out on a new show next season with Andy Samberg, a cop show. I'm not sure what it's called, but she's a fantastic comedian. Highly recommend checking out um, her online or seeing her stand up. She was amazing and feminist and hilarious, and I love her. Awesome. Well, I I had a chance to see most of the cast of Nashville in person at a panel for Paley Fest, Paley Center for Media in Los Angeles. Does their big thing every year where they get all the shows together. Um, you go, you sit in the theater, you watch an episode of the show, and then you listen to people talk about it. Callie Corey was there, which was amazing for me. Um, Alice Johnson, is that her name? The other head writer um, was there. And it was so fun to listen to them talk about the show because everyone is taking so much pride in what they're making. I mean, unless they're the best actors in the world, they are having the time of their life with each other. And Hayden Panettiere and Connie Britton in particular were just a delight. Uh, and there was one exchange I'll just describe that made me so happy as a writer where uh, Kelly Curry was saying something about a line of Hayden Panettiere's in the pilot and Hayden Pantier interrupts her and is like, oh, that's not my line. That's your line. You wrote it. <laughs> and I'm like, is oh, that an actor giving credit so cool. to a writer? Because I don't know if I've ever heard that before. <laughs> and Callie Curry <laughs> looks at her and she goes, well, I wrote it for you. I gave it to you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, how adorable. Cute. How cute right now. And it was just, I love it when a show is amazing and I, the people who make it are amazing too. So now you want to be best friends with everybody on the cast of Nashville. Oh, well, I, I mean, I already did, but now I'm sure that that it would be amazing for sure. I can't wait for it to come back on next week. Yes. I can't wait to talk about the last few episodes. Oh. Okay. What about you, Therese? 
Well, my one fabulous thing is has to do with uh, my geek out of all time, Game of Thrones, which is uh, season three is premiering on Sunday, the 31st. And I'm very excited, especially because I've read all the books and I know that book three has awesome storylines for the women. Just awesome. Yay. Yay. My one great thing that you guys can all find on YouTube, it's a series called School of Thrones. Prom night is coming. <laughs> <laughs> and the first episode is completely hilarious. They're releasing an episode every week. One of my favorite things about it is that they do the opening credits sort of in the same way that Game of Thrones does them with the building up of the cities, except it's the schoolyard and it's to rock music. Awesome. I really, you really have to watch it. So search School of Thrones and um, you kind of have to be a big Game of Thrones geek to get a lot of the jokes, but give it a shot. But, but we are, so we will yeah. get them. And if you're not, then become one because really like it's a pretty amazing show. Thanks for joining us for episode two of Damsels in Discussion. Uh, we would love to hear from you. You can tell us what you think about what's going on in pop culture, what you think we should talk about on the show, or just let us know you're out there. We're on Twitter at damsels underscore discuss. We're on Facebook at damsels in discussion. And we are on Tumblr at damsels in discussion dot com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. But I can hardly wait.